welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast. Now, let's see what the guys have to say. Welcome back to the Big Black Clock Podcast. We are at episode 95. Take two. What? <laughs> 95 take two. 95 yeah, take, take two. two. We, we, we forgot press recording, like, so we talk for a good two, I'm two three minutes. I'm glad that you said we, instead of saying Dimitri I, forgot yeah, yeah. to press record. I think it yeah. was more than that. I think it was, it was like more than minutes. But anyway, it's interesting. Know. We were saying we're at episode 95. We're five yeah. weeks away from, from episode 100. We're thinking about wind-up that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll uh, we'll make it in time for that, or at least very close to that. I think there's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, we this, need to, yeah, we need to look if we can um, register as press, because if it's the case, we have like two hours of no public access to the boot. Yeah, it's a good point. I'll have to look into this, right? Because does it make any? Do you have to get a special permit, let's say, to enter the states? No, it, a, it just need references as like your news outlet. We, we have a podcast like we can showcase that we have episodes right right <laughs> and I think that um, there's another watch there's another convent or a fair or convention going on by watch time and mm-hmm. I think you can pay like 50 bucks there's 150 bucks for the the VIP but you, that one you, I think you get to meet actual CEOs of different brands and hear what they're talking about so it'd be interesting to see if we have time maybe for the Sunday yep. and then uh It'd be cool to check out a lot of uh, maybe some uh, secondhand watch shops and uh, some of the other watch shops that are there. Yeah, that'd be cool. For sure. But well, this, that could be a nice trip. So this week's episode, we're going to be jumping into a little bit about some of the lessons that we've learned along the way or things that we wish we knew when we started collecting the hobby. So it's essentially what we've learned as a lesson. Uh, but before we do that, let's go around quickly, do a little wrist check here. Dimitri, what are you wearing this week? Um, so I... Um I took my uh, Omega and I put it on the CWC NATO strap that I initially bought for the SPV 143. It's like a, okay, it's hard to, it's a gray strap, and you know CWC makes very non, like say non flashy, very very uh, purpose built let's NATO straps, and this one is kind of like a darker gray. I don't want it's not wet asphalt color, but it's like a dark gray. It's that it looks very very good with the Speedmaster, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean maybe obviously because the watch itself is a strap monster, but that specific color somehow makes the whole case pop and uh, it, it looks really good and honestly like the, if you were in England or somewhere maybe in Europe like, it's so cheap to even buy those CWC NATO straps they're like 10 bucks each and uh, you get a lot for what you a lot more you get a lot of value for what you pay yeah awesome. I forget that we all we always say that they're like top tier NATOs but like it's for us, it's like ten times in import uh, yeah, <laughs> fees. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to buy one, right? Because the the duty is yeah. ridiculous. Exactly. And shipping, I think shipping is high. I think too, right? I can't remember. Shipping it was, was pretty high. high. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like but twenty pounds or something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So it doesn't. It's not really economical unless you buy many. Exactly. So that's it. And uh, very cool, Carl. What are you wearing this week? Um, I watched that. I think it's a little bit teamed with our episode today. My uh, Bellin Ross BR05 limited edition Hurulum. Uh, I've learned a lot with that watch. Uh, a lot of lessons learned from me purchasing this uh, Bellin Ross. Uh, I, I have like two points we are going to be able to loop back into uh, that purchase. Yeah. Uh, but yep, yeah, still wearing times to time. Um, it, it It is nice, but it didn't stick. Um, so for that price, I... Yeah, it just I'll have to sell it, right? At like seven thousand dollars, it needs to be special. 
<laughs> it's a lot of it's money a for a watch. You, I mean, you you do have to like like the watch that you have, right? And that's yeah, but if the... it's like a if it's an eight hundred dollars watch, you go ah, okay, like five hundred bucks, right? They're like a small Seiko. If it doesn't stick, you go ah, fair enough. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <like> fair <laughs> point. But uh, like I have a few watches in my collection that I haven't worn in probably over a year. Like the Vostok Amphibia, you know, it's a funny topic of conversation. But I I, I never wear it, right? And like sure, I guess it's pointless to sell it. But at the same time, yeah, it's chances it, are it's not going to be worn again. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. yeah, but it's multiple thousands of dollars, right? Right, that's it. <laughs> yeah, the investment wasn't uh, reflecting the uh, I need the selling uh, motivation, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, so um, I, Kevin, what are you wearing? Yeah, I was just watching the the U.S. Open final and Alcaraz won and against Casper um, um, Rude, and uh, the event is sponsored, obviously, by Rolex. No, not obviously. It's sponsored by Rolex. Um, I always thought it was just Wimbledon. Longines had the French Open and stuff like that, but Rolex now has um, the US Open. So all those commercials, so I slipped on my Rolex the Mariner. This is the no-date version, the new one at 41 millimeters. Um, yeah. Really have you been wearing it a lot? Yeah, I wear it a lot. Yeah, I wear has it, it been coming off your wrist at all or you just been wearing it the whole time? No, no, I've been wearing it? other stuff as well. I always have the rotation, but I really... Uh, you know, I wear it, and every time I wear it, I'm just so happy that I have oh, it's, it. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's really great. quite great. Yeah, I, I, I saw that you uh, posted your CWC for sale. Is it because the uh, Samariner came in? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like yuck. What is this? CWC? No, it's not that. But but there you go. There, I was like, that's a significant amount of money. Let me try to sell it. You know, and see yeah. what's but what. Because it, it can, makes so. perfect sense, right? Like like if I sell my SPV, sorry, if I get like a, I don't know a Seamaster. And my SPV is forty. Is one forty three is probably going to go for sale, right? It's just not going to get. Unless you're like, oh, I'm really going to use it as a beater, but this and which a CWC would be able to take, but mm -hmm. uh, it's a very expensive beater. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It's still, like, I'd rather get like uh, the Seiko Five, right, for that, and then wear exactly. that as a beater yeah. or Casio G Shock, exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about some of the releases this week. Maybe I'll go first. Um. Well, I wanted to talk about it. Actually, we did the episode of, of uh, Geneva Days but uh, because it had already come out, but uh, Geneva Days kind of took the spotlight, so I saved it. But um, Baltic, a French brand, mic micro brand, a darling, and I think they really broke their stride when I started seeing them getting sold like by Houdinki. I was like, ooh, okay, Baltic is uh, no joke. So Baltic is off to the track this time with a, um, um, their first Swiss chronograph. Um, their last chronograph they had was the, the Bicompax chronograph that had a Seagull ST19, uh, I think it's the movement name, but that's Seagull, the famous Seagull uh, manual wine chronograph. Um, so Baltic, always very focused on mid-century aesthetics. Um, they came in now with their first Swiss chronograph measuring 39.5 millimeters, 47 millimeters lug to lug, and 13.5 millimeters thick. So not on the, the, the thickest side. A panda dial with a wide tachymeter. It has this like beige kind of dial with uh, some really vintage characteristics. It is like hints of yellow and orange in the registers. And uh, the tachymeter has flares from the case. And it's brushed aluminum. And as units of 50, as opposed to what you normally see in an other tachymeters, uh, at 200. Which is good because most people don't go... A thousand miles per hour. Um, it comes on a flat leg bracelet and ha also has a leather strap. 
The movement is a Salida SW510M with 63 hours of power reserve. It's a um, collaboration with Peter Otto, um, who is who is part of this French organization that does a lot of classic car rallies. So included in this in this special package are two flyback mechanical stopwatches that look just like the registers of the timepiece. Um, and it actually comes, interestingly, with an aluminum plate that you put on the car so you can attach the stopwatches to your car. Uh, imagine a classic car at this point. It is limited to only 300 pieces, unfortunately, but if you're able to, if you're able to get your hands on one, that, you know, congrats. And it comes in, I think, at a very well uh, priced of 1,975 euros, which is approximately about $2,000 US. And when you consider a, a, a Tissot PRX or the Tissot telemeter that we saw, uh, that seems a little bit, you know, what comes off the mainstream, seeing Baltic, a micro brand, come in and do uh, their first Swiss chronograph uh, with, you know, limited edition and these nice little stopwatches, I was really happy to see that. I'm a big fan of the watch in itself, other than the fact that they they continue to anchor in vintage. I'm kind of sick of that. I'd like to see modern watches, but I think it was a good execution of that watch. It didn't look like uh, everything else that's out there. It comes with a little panache. Really nice job. So if you're able to get that, uh, good job. I uh, I liked it. What do you guys think about this watch? Who wants to go first? Uh, uh, I'll go first. Uh, I put myself into like the... Um email notification when it was going on sale. Yeah. <laughs> I was working. My phone went on my desk. Took the phone. I was like, oh, that's the email I, I was waiting for. Click on it. I was like, buy now. Sold out. I was like, oh man, it's been like two minutes. Yeah. So yeah, it was sold out instantly, pretty much. Uh, I really like it. Uh, yeah. I, I like that for that price, it's a nice like full set, right? With those two um, chronos with the watch and everything. I was like, that's a collector set for like a, an affordable pricing regarding yeah. big box collectors yeah. set, right? Yeah. Uh, because uh, Omega did that a bunch of time with Speedmasters. Yeah. And it was like, here, $135,000, you have two and a half watches or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I, I found it really nice. It was like a, a lot of things for that amount of money. So I was like, oh, I'll just get it. I'd go, let's, I'll go for it. Uh, but yeah, no. Probably didn't happen, and like I didn't check on uh, Chrono Twenty Four, but I'm guessing they're going for at least double now. Probably, probably, um, yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, really nice release. I want to see more of those things from Baltic like that. Good uh, job, so Baltic. Yeah, for me, it's nine out of ten. Yeah, let's go. Good job. What about you, Dimitri? What do you think about this hit miss? Um, we, you guys pretty much summed it up very well. I agree. It's it's an it looks awesome to me. Um, I still want to. I still want to see. Like you had the Baltic one for a bit. The micro. I, order, I had right? two was, Baltics. Oh, the, oh yeah. Sorry, the Memovox style also, right? Yeah, I can't remember what the name yeah, of it is. The, like the, the their build quality is exceptional, and uh, I would love yeah. to see this in person. This one is maybe not my cup of tea, but there's a lot of let's say similar. Again, it's maybe because it's a vintage looking chronograph. I don't necessarily let's say I, I love the design, but it's just not for me, right? Uh, what I also wanted to say is that like the box that it comes with, it's awesome because you yeah. I mean, you not only you get mo both the bracelet and the and the leather strap at the same time, but you also have like a bunch a couple of spring bar tools in there. So yeah, exactly. It's a nice them. package. Yeah. I, I think the clock. Oh, sorry, the stopwatch is probably a little bit more gimmicky, right? Uh, but still, it's a nice feature, and all that is just what for two thousand uh, US dollars. Yeah, the, the stopwatches. Yeah, they're gimmicky, nice. but they're mechanical flyback 
chronograph stopwatches. That's amazing. I thought it was like for two thousand dollars. It's insane. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it would like scratch the itch of like owning a pocket watch, even if I like wouldn't you put it in your car. You, watch. And you and you wind it. You can and I I've seen videos. You hear them wind it. It's really nice. Anyway, keep go keep doing that Baltic. Keep doing fun stuff like that. Very good. Who was next? Any other releases you guys want to talk about? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, so let me talk about uh, uh, Orient. Uh, we don't really talk talk about them anymore because it was kind of like I mean maybe for all of us at the beginning of our watch collection. Um, I don't really look at them specifically Bambinos, but Bambino was what I one still of my have first an Orient watches. You still have? It. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, so one of my first watches was the Orient Bambino. I think it was a V two something edition three or something like that. It was the Bauhaus one with like rectangle shaped hands. I bought it because I wanted to dry uh, a dress watch. It kind of stopped liking it very quickly. Wore it for maybe like two three months and then sold it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they've released a new version and it's a Bambino uh, 38 millimeters so mine the, the standard Bambinos are 41 millimeter long sorry 41 yep. millimeter in diameter and the lug to lug I think is like 46 or something so it's a it's a decently sized watch but I think the 38 is a perfect perfect like hits the perfect spot of the wearability and dimensions 38 is a very very good size Uh, the lug-to-lug width, I think, also got reduced by like two millimeters. So it's a lot easier to wear on a smaller wrist. And another thing is, uh, you know, there's not many changes, but they also did um, an open uh, case back. So now you can see the movement. It's not it's not really decorated. You can just see the rotor that says Orient Bambino on it. Uh, but still, it's a nice touch, right, for a watch that's just uh, maybe two, three hundred um, Canadian or U.S. dollars. And I'm saying or because mm. uh, they're hard to get and sometimes they sell at, uh, at uh, a premium. So Absolutely. it depends on where you look at it. That you can you can give it, maybe buy it for like $250, maybe for $300, but not much cheaper. It's a little bit more expensive than the standard Bambino, but I think it's a really, really good addition in general for like an affordable so, dress watch. I think the version you had was the V3 or V4. I don't remember. It was, yeah. a, v, it, it was a V something edition 3. I think it was yeah, like a V2 is, edition This is 3. the V2? With the Roman numerals, didn't have the yeah, exposed. Mine was the Bauhaus back. one. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I like what they're doing. Orient is, I think, um, creeping on Seiko in terms of being the value proposition king. Uh, Seiko pr- prices have kind of creeped up, and I think Orient is, is seizing that opportunity, being part of the Epson Group. I think that um, I've owned the version five. That has those like uh, that has all the Arabic numerals around it, um, in rose gold, and I have a version two in my hand here with the um, gold. Um, a lot of fun watches. This is a really fun one to to just wear. I wear it when I'm yeah. working from home. You know, it's uh, they're 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 <laughs> not in public. <laughs> What? <laughs> not home, in public. Do you want to know the only issue with this this watch is that it's mineral glass. <laughs> and it will scuff and it will get it's, hit. It's made from uranium. But, but I remember, I think I paid this watch 119 US dollars. And yeah, 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 no, I have to good. argue with that. It's, yeah, me too. I think I paid under 150 for the Bambino. And I, exactly. I just looked it up as you were talking. I, got, I had the Orient Bambino second gen version 3. Okay, version 3, v, V3. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, the V3, I remember, because yours had the, like the square baton hands versus the Dauphine hands. And it yeah, was yeah, 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 yeah. It was the Bauhaus, and I kind of lost the uh, interest in that Bauhaus style very quickly. But it was a very poorly executed Bauhaus because it was very simple, let's say, rectangle shaped hands. Especially it was minimalist. I don't know if it was, yeah, it is. It is a minimalist, I guess, but it's uh, the 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 shape of the hands really kind of was the first thing that I stopped liking, and then uh, it kind of ruined the watch for me. One who I would want to say, I like that release. I like that it went down to 38, makes it more wearable. Orient's known for making larger watches. Yeah, yeah. I also think they kill it in that that whole segment. I like Orient. I think they're not pretentious. I think they're fun to, they're fun to wear. Their watches, uh, they assume what they are. They go, no, we make a, affordable, good quality watches from Japan in-house, followed from the Epson Group that's owned Seiko. And um, you can't go wrong with it. And I... And, Anyone who wants to wear an Orient can wear it proudly, and there's a lot to say about Orient. It's great. So anyway, yeah, good for job anybody on just getting into uh, yeah, go, sorry for anybody just getting into the uh, watch collection, right? Just kind of at the beginning of their watch enthusiasm, start with something like that because they're inexpensive, and you can mix and match, and like there's so many different variations for any kind of style. Uh, one thing I was I forgot to add also is that they they had odd sizes like the 41 case. Uh, and the, the 21 millimeter lug width, but now they've changed to the 38 millimeter uh, case and f- 20 millimeter lug width. So it's exactly it's going to be uh, easier to find straps. Let's say if you don't want to use the original one, because as usual, the original ones are not very high quality. You, you can also go to the, Nomon. They sell Orient there, and there's a Bambino that's 36 millimeter that came out last year on a bracelet, oh yeah. and that's very unisex. If you at thir- if you could pull off 36, uh, but yeah, really really nice watch. Carl? Oh, right, oh, right, oh, yes. right. Uh, I just wanted to quickly uh, talk about Color of Bacur. They announced uh, a new line. Well, it's the same old line, a, a new series of watch for the Manaro Flyback. Uh, so that was at the uh, tail end of um, Geneva's watch days. And it's exactly the same thing as the old Manaro, but now it's five different colors. And they went down from 43 millimeters to 40. <laughs> And they literally said we listened to the people in their press release. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, and same movement, same function, same design, uh, different colors, no bracelet. They all came into uh, on uh, textile straps made 100% from recycled material. And it goes from um, black dial with uh, kind of a rose gold indices and hands to all white dials with white subdials, uh, green subdials, uh, burgundy subdials, or blue uh, subdials. And the watch strap is going to match that color scheme as well. Um, I just find it really interesting. I love the Monroe flyback. Uh, it just at 43 was a bit big. And there's one thing that for me uh, also on this thing is, uh, I don't know what to think yet. I, need to, I would like to see one is they drop from 43 to 40, but the thickness remained the same at 14. Five, yeah, it should probably sit a lot like my isotope, but it should it should be okay. That's I don't know how much of it is the crystal, and you're, it's an automatic chronograph. Yes, no, for sure, but still, right? I, I would just like to see one, making sure it's not too yeah. of a tick of a puck, uh, because at nine thousand dollar Canadian, it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, I just find it interesting. I wanted to uh, just point it out that they. College Booker is listening to the people and also in the same press release, they said that it was to uh, bring in a, a younger crowd. Uh, so right. maybe they're facing problems right now at College Booker with uh, an older demographic of buyers. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> and you know... Maybe the 
John Wick listeners are getting older now and uh, finally <laughs> may be able to afford a watch. So they're like, hey, we gotta yeah. make watches I, for I, I need to. Uh, I need to send my my uh, vintage color booker to uh, the um, uh, repair right now. Um, I was winding it, and like after two or three winds, it kind of went dead. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so something happened in the winding mechanism. Take it to uh, uh, to Helvetia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just went like crick, crick, crick to stunk, and now it's like free. Oh, yeah, there's something free. probably in the stem mm-hmm. that's uh, that doesn't work. So my, my yeah. I I like the release. I um, I I kind of want more from Carla Booker these days. I feel that they're no, but they're leaning on the success of the Monero. The Monero is great. The fly. I love the mech, I love the flyback chronograph uh, movement in general. It's uh, underrated. You don't have to, so the, if it, just for anyone who's listening, you guys already all know, probably, but for anyone who doesn't, a flyback chronograph is that once the chronograph is running, you can just press the second um, the trigger and it will reset immediately and start. You don't have to and stop the running. chronograph before, right. res, before restarting it. Hmm? Yeah, and, and yeah. it will continue running, right? And it'll, it'll start right over so that you don't have to mm-hmm. stop and then start over. Um Interesting, but from a complications perspective, when you're building that kind of movement, it's it comes. It has a lot of um, of uh, you know intricacies behind it. I uh, I have to say, a nice release though. I appreciate what they did with the straps. I um, don't like the price. No. <laughs> you know, I was it's looking. Frédéric Constant has an in-house flyback chronograph, and I think I saw one on Joma Shop. They go for about fifteen hundred US, and I go, oh mm. my gosh, you know, just no. So, just but I know that Carla Booker also doesn't do great on on the gray market so you could probably yeah. pick that watch up for six maybe five and a half grand canadian you know instead of eight grand canadian you know if you if you shop around so if you're really into that but i'd like to see carl of carl of booker jump onto to to um another style i'd like to see a new release like they're leaning on this monero it's been a few years you know, come up with something new. Yeah. It'd be cool. I'd like to. I'd like to see them uh, j- jump on that a little bit instead of uh, yeah. always well, on the. I, I d- it's a step in the right direction, I think. So for me, it just okay. At least they're going into the right direction. They're not going deeper and deeper into the wrong, <laughs> right? It's getting a little bit better. Yeah. So I'll, Carl I'll F- take that as 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 a as a small win for now. Carla <laughs> Booker is always a. Um, S- so, all about the bike compacts, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so it's okay. It's their bread and butter. And for a car book of her fan, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I want that one now." That one they they've listened to the to me, and I want that chronograph now. It's anyway, a little of a, a little bit of a chunker, though. I'm looking at the specs, right? It's a 14.45 yeah, that, millimeters for a 40 millimeter diameter. Yes, that's what I was saying. Uh, since this used the same movement as the 43, they just uh, went down in diameter. But this, that movement is pretty thick. It's it's the flyback complication with automatic I, um, winding i'd say let's let's see it in person because i don't think it's like we we it's not too too bad like for 14.5 it's not yeah like, because you don't know how much of the 14.5 is crystal if it's a dead flat sapphire crystal then it's thick you know what i mean and, or if it's if the crystal's a little bit pronounced then it could add a millimeter and then it's fine and you know what to add to that uh, if you look at the website they don't feature any photos of the watch from the side so I mean, <laughs> so you can't really see how thick it is or how thick the crystal is. It's a two-face. It's like, I want to see it from the side. Didn't know, didn't know. What do you think about the crown? The, what do you think about the crown on that watch? And dimensions specifically. Like, it looks... Like, once I see the, once I see how huge it is, it's hard for me to kind of... It's like the penis on the, the, the Speedmaster. Right. <laughs> what uh, do you think, Carl? Uh, 
for me, I think it probably is okay. I think the, the pictures probably don't make it uh, look too, too nice, right? Uh, but we, everyone loves like a huge crown, right? We always like, oh, diamond cut crown, like onion crown. So for that, it's not too bad for me. Like I would just need to see it in person, I think. I think it just the gnarling on that um, crown is pretty aggressive as well. So, oh, I love it. Yeah. I think it fits the pushers. The pushers are those uh, mushroom pushers. I think it, it it fits it very well. I prefer a crown that uh, is there. It is present. It's uh, you can you can grip it as opposed to something that they just put in that's too small that doesn't quite make sense. And guys, it's a it's a chronograph. It's a tool watch. It's, so it's meant to be. Use you know what I mean? It's meant to be uh, in use and 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 you know uh, in maneuvered and whatnot. So yeah, I really like it. I think it's it's great. I just want to see more than the Monero chronograph. <laughs> well, they have to buy compacts. Do you know another chronograph? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but you know what yeah. you know what they should look into. I'll be honest. If you're listening, because they say they listen, look into doing like um, Nevada Gretchen did with their like a, a diver auto whatever they call it a sea diver chronograph mm-hmm. right they have the like the thing they should look at that they want to do something they go, okay, let's make an even more robust chronograph that you can go diving with that would be cool to see just like the seamaster right that they did uh, the seamaster chronograph because people go i want the chronograph from omega but i also want to be able to use it to do everything and there's your you know your one on watch as opposed to making a speedmaster you know water resistant <laughs> yeah why would you want to do that exactly <laughs> It, it's so expensive those seals. Yeah. So well, expensive. I mean, is there a, is there a war is there a water in space? No. Yeah. I mean, technically, everything is in space. <laughs> All right. Oh, so yeah. let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Andrew Dice Clay. No, uh, Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> no, he's a comedian. With yeah, Neil Grayson, Neil, Neil, Neil deGrasse Neil, Tyson. Yeah. Wow. I was really <laughs> off. <laughs> you were really I off. couldn't have picked two people more. more <laughs> yeah, exactly. <above laughs> They're so different. I mean, the only thing you got right is the fact that they have three words in their name. That's it. Extra <laughs> 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 dice clay. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Lessons. <laughs> lessons. Things I wish I knew. Lessons learned. The name uh, of I'll start. Tyson. I can go yeah. first. Cool. <laughs> One thing I wished was. Um, I hate that stupid question that you often when you tell people, "Hey, I'm I'm a watch geek or I'm into watches or a watch enthusiast and whatnot." <laughs> and you're like, oh, they always so say, um, that. <laughs> "Do you know Rolex?" <laughs> Are you no, poor? Are you the broke? first question you get is, "How many watches do you have?" Oh, and I hate that question because I'm like, it it, it doesn't mean anything to have a lot of but, watches. But yeah, you know what? It's because you're thinking of it as a watch collector, like an enthusiast. But they ask you from a yeah. perspective of like a collector, right? If I'm a watch collector, they're like, oh, like stamps or whatever, like as a hobby, right? You collect yeah. the, the numbers, not just... Yeah. But yeah. that's why I'll never use the word collector, ever. I'm into watches, Bo- I'm an enthusiast. Collector, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so my first lesson, anyone out there, less can be more. Never think about a watch box or a watch roll to say, oh, I need to fill this void. Um, thinking, I need a chronograph now, and I need a diver, and I need this. And that's okay to that's want... That's my whole strategy. I need no, to fill the foil. <laughs> you, you, you've always said, oh, I want the Spitfire. I want that watch. I want that. And, it, and, it, and because I got that pilot's watch, the Spitfire, you go, oh, that covers my pilot watch itch. You go, oh, I have... This diver, the submariner, you go that covers that. And Dimitri was kind of saying, he goes, once I get a Seamaster, 
I'm going to never use the SPB anywhere because it scratches that itch. So sometimes less is more. Um, so I think that that's my first lesson to everyone out there. Don't focus on expanding your collection. Focus on the pieces that really make you happy and the pieces that you want to own and experience and that you, you'll be ready to move on because that's all they are. They're just time pieces, right? So less is more sometimes. Don't focus on the, the quantity because you, you'll never really get, uh, you'll never really get um, to enjoy them. So that's my first lesson. Who wants to go next? Um, I'll go next. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, like you, you don't press record, you go last. Okay. <laughs> that's fair uh, it's, a, it's something I've talked a bit about uh, about during the last episodes uh, and it's still true is always have some budget or some dollars aside <laughs> for a watch purchase uh, so nothing is more frustrating uh, than have the opportunity of a lifetime to get a watch you want like me getting the call for the Submariner and just don't have the money right, right. now right uh, all my watch money was in watches so I was watch poor And that was not a good strategy. <laughs> I don't I don't have any self-control. That's a problem. So now now I try to have some money aside. I, I sold the Air King recently. So that money is still there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think lesson learned for me was Carl always have some budget aside for when that opportunity come up. Very right? good. Yeah. We, we all have watches that are, could be hard to get, right? Uh, same thing with FXD. Happened that I had the budget when it came up, but it's not a watch that it's, in display. It's a watch that's going to call you when they have it and you take it then and there or you don't. Uh, so always try to have some budget aside for the pieces that you're waiting for. Don't, don't do like me. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I agree. Agreed. Just to add to even your uh, kind of point here is don't buy watches with the money you don't have. I mean, that applies to everything pretty much, right? Uh, watches don't is indebt not yourself. Watches, watches are not an watches. investment with a few exceptions and if it's a very very small number of exceptions in general if you want to buy a watch you make sure you have the money to spend for it because you don't want to have a, like, that crazy uh, buyer's remorse after yeah, yeah but it's like a, it's like cars like it's, most cars are not like a Like sure. Not, they're not going to make you money, right? But yeah. that one Lamborghini is limited edition will. <laughs> exactly. The watch is exactly, the same exactly. thing, right? Most Seikos won't make you money, but that limited one edition or the one that's super popular for some reason might. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. the like a 1% yeah, rule of the watches, it, right? Yeah. You're, okay, I can get that 5711 green Pat, uh, Patek, which was the last one and make a shit ton of money. You have to be able to get it. You know, and it's, it's a little bit nonsense to be able to get. I'm it assuming right. the wait list for those is even crazier than even any Rolex, eh? Maybe it's no, not even like uh, you, you need to know someone working at Patek, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, so I'll go next. For me, I think, and this is a, I'm sure you hear it. If you, if anybody's watching like different uh, uh, YouTubers, that's a lot. Uh, you, you, you see, you hear those things a lot. It's It's do not buy into that. You know, we made we cut the middleman, and we uh, we made uh, affordable luxury thing. There's no such thing as affordable luxury. You exactly you always get what you pay for. If you pay little money, you get exactly what it is. But the problem is 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 those highly marketed companies or startups that appear and then they're all over your Instagrams or Facebooks that are trying to tell you that they somehow uh, you know found the formula that. Uh, cuts out everybody allows you to create like super high value high quality watches for a very very small amount of money you are still overpaying extremely because with all that marketing 
that you pay for that marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. They usually pack like a $10, $15 watch with a $300 price tag just because they need to pay for the marketing that they've launched on all of those different platforms. Usually these watches are absolutely terrible. If you watch any YouTube uh, channels of, with any guys that are doing the reviews of watches, they will always tell you the same thing. Avoid them at all costs. Because not only that we just established that like watches don't really depreciate, uh, uh, appreciate uh, unless it's a very specific case, these things, as soon as you buy them, walk out of the store, they're worthless. So it's yeah. pretty much like burning money. It's it's really really it's a really bad case. And you know, for the prices that they want to charge you for those watches, you can get a lot of uh, affordable, let's say, big brands that actually provide you with something good inside the watch. Right. Usually, those brands use like uh, those those you, those startups usually use like what like a like a five cent not five cent like a five dollar quartz movement, right? Exactly. Um, it's, it's, that's covered in uh, plastic and like to make sure that the the, the, the movement kind of sticks or doesn't doesn't move around inside the watch case because the watch case is really right. very large and there's very little design to those that they're usually Bauhaus with a very standard shaped case and uh, very very simplistic patterns just just uh, and the and the movement is uh, all done with uh, I don't know in English but in French is gamette you know those like sticky uh, <laughs> blue tack play-doh mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> Uh, Very yeah, good. but I think same thing. Quickly, just finish on that. It's like uh, you know, in the other world, like people wearing Beats headphones, right? Right. Yeah. Most of that money is into marketing, and they only packed a lot of base. But if you just look for that that amount of money, you can find something better. Yeah, but let's not equate <laughs> Beats and the quality of their headphones. Yeah. Versus uh, a Daniel Wellington watch. You know what I mean? I don't like think you, that. Yeah. You're not buying headphones of Alibaba, right? Uh, that would be probably more yeah. realistic to compare. I bought one. I, yeah. I think mm. I bought like okay, fake Sony Sony headphones that like, let's say they were like $300 original ones and I bought them on eBay for like, I don't know, 45 bucks or something. Uh, you know, that was very comparable because it was shocking me once in a while. <laughs> there was like electricity. Wow. Just like, sh- that, I wasn't wearing it for curl. <laughs> That's why it's not the same. <laughs> Goddamn. But I okay, think it's a enough. very good... Uh, uh, I know what you mean. It's like don't buy the hype in the marketing. Beats are a, yeah. still a uh, they're 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 not a bad product either by any means, right? You're gonna get they're good Whoa. they're a good product. What you're oh, saying okay. is you can they're get better, but that's I don't think sure, that's yeah. what I don't think that's what Dimitri's saying either. They're not yeah. trash. Okay, fair, fair enough. Well, Daniel Welly did is trash. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Or Vinciro. I don't know if you have those hats every other day on YouTube. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for a watch under two hundred dollars? I'm like, ha! <laughs> I <laughs> go, I wish. <laughs> I wish I had something on my list. <laughs> it's not, and it's not, and that's not a it's not like oh, I'm a watch snob. No, no, is that nothing tickles my fancy? Well, because you have been a watch snob for a while now. I mean, watch snob is not a it's a condescending way of saying it, but like you've been watch enthusiast for so many years now. A whore. You went through all of this. <laughs> what whore? <laughs> you went through all the stages, right? So now yeah. at this point, like. You have to have the best of it's a specific thing to be able to satisfy yeah, that. And, and you know, and you know, the worst the part is, I um, there are great watches I'm, I want to get out there that are at five hundred dollars. By you know, don't don't get it twisted. There are great watches out there, but the cheap, cheap, cheap stuff that we're talking about, and and that's why I'm not comparing it to Beats. But anyway, that was my yeah. uh, that's a that was a very good lesson, Dimitri. My second uh, yeah. lesson here. Um, Brands are very limited on what they can bring. 
sell the name versus the watch. Pay attention to that, guys. And I'll give you the first example real quick, vintage watches. People that say, oh, I can go get myself an old Omega because they think that Omega is a really great brand. Omega is a really great brand today. But when you go back in history and you look at those at the, what, what that brand was then, it wasn't anything spectacular back then. And that's why you can find so many affordable Omegas on the aftermarket. And so it's also that kind of mindset. Don't just take the brand name as the, 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 the only pillar of which you want to go and shop for. Movado, vintage Movado, is remarkable in terms of its quality. It has so much to offer. But Movado these days in branding is just kind of eh. But people always mm. want to equate and say, oh, you're wearing an Omega. It's like, yeah, you're wearing an Omega from the 60s. You're wearing an Omega from the 50s. It's nothing, it's, it, it, they're not, they weren't at the same level that they are today. And I think that a lot of brands know that. And so they'll try to sell using the brand. And a good example of this are all these zombie brands that are coming out. Zombie brands are all of these brands that died during the quartz crisis or ended up shutting down. Someone bought the name. They take the old designs. They just revitalize it. And they're trying to use what that brand name used to carry to try to sell it to you. Be careful with that because like Dimitri said, you might just be buying what once was, you know, and it's, it's, it's not uh, what it was. And you might be just thinking of Camelot and whatever it was back in the day, but um, it, it's no longer that anymore. So that's my, my third lesson. Pay attention to what you're buying and do more research than what the brand used to be. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I don't think Omega was the best example because they're not that good today either. So. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, there's so many shots fired. I, I just don't, I can't even count anymore. Cup uh, shots. <laughs> oh, those are the ones. So that tired. I of those, I still count. The, yeah, I, the rain I, of a thousand loads. I, I, I haven't missed a single one. Uh, just to um, ask you actually on this one. So do you think, do you, can you think today of a brand that would fit that great, that great description that somebody went and bought the, the, the zombie brand and then now it's just yeah. promoting the name, but the, what they offer is not very good. So uh, that what they offer is not very good? It's yeah. tough. Um, you know, but we had your doubts with like Doxa. Okay, I'll give you actually three Eternal. brands. I'll give, you, I'll give you three brands. Exactly what Carl just mentioned. It, they all are under the same Hong Kong holding that's yeah. giving them money. It's Eterna, Corum, Porsche Design. So they were all bought by this, this rich Chinese luxury um, distributor, essentially. Now, those companies essentially are keep getting, uh, they get funding from them. They apparently have their own autonomy, but they're still trying to use the days of when Corum, when the guy, his name is Severing, or I think his name was Severin, and then he died recently, and then that's when the company was sold. Um, Eterna as well was sold to this company, kind of shut down and revived. Um, it puts into perspective. But you know, um, oh God, I had another brand that was the best example of that. Well, it, uh, I'm open up, looking up Eterna. I mean, this looks like a, like a Daniel Wellington almost. But, uh, but the, the thing is, I, I love the Eterna Super Tonkiki. Tonkiki, right? yeah. Yes. Uh, from like the 70s and 80s. <clears throat> no, 70s. Um, because of like the new Eterna, like the new brand, like I, I just cannot go and buy, buy the old version. That's even more expensive than a brand new Eterna, yeah, right? Exactly. Because for me, like it, it pretty much like 
uh, put the name in, 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 into the mud and like, uh, yeah. I don't want it anymore. So uh, it, maybe maybe the the best example, Dimitri, to answer your question that is very controversial online that people are constantly talking about is, is glycine. Glycine was bought by the Invicta group. And what does that mean? What does that mean for what they're producing? And I know Invicta is going to look and say, no, 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 we leave them alone. They're still their own brand. Uh, you know, they change the logo, but <laughs> they're still their own brand. They operate on their own. They're still the same old glycine that's been there since the early 1900s. And that's beloved by all the glycine fans out there. But mm, I think it did lose a step. I think it made a lot of people, you know, hesitate. And there's a lot of documentation out there that proves few forums and debates of people going back and forth, whether it still has, you know, if it's just leaning on that name. So I think that's um, an example that uh, people can can kind of look up if they want to see. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Next uh, lesson learned, Carl. Um and that's from what the watch I'm wearing today. I think it's uh, don't buy the most expensive or the or the best version of a design that you you want to try or you want to go with, right? Um, so it's like I, said, I learned with the Bell and Ross is I I paid for a watch at the MSRP seven thousand two hundred. I paid a little a bit under that, but like brand new still. Uh, and I I think I should have went with a more, more affordable integrated bracelet. Right, because that Bell and Rust was my introduction to integrated bracelet, and uh, that's not the only reason I purchased it, but that's one of that was one of the reasons. So, with that, I was able to try the integrated bracelet style. I like it. I, I wanted more of that in my life, but I could have went with a PRX to try it out. <laughs> I didn't need to go with that huge limited yeah. edition watch, right? So, don't buy the most expensive or best version first. If you're trying something new, just go up the ladder, pretty much, right? Go buy something that you know will be decent so you can at least really understand the style or the dynamic of that watch. And if you like that, resell that and after that go for a more of a grail or more of a bigger name, right? So like right. walk the steps. Don't don't skip a, a step. Just walk walk them up. So that was my second lesson learned and it was a link to the watch I'm wearing today. Yeah, that's a good point. I have a similar, let's say, lesson learned so I'm going to blend it with yours a bit and kind of add to it. Um, one thing I was going to say is as you are kind of progressing in the watches that you like or don't like, try buying inexpensive watches and wearing them to kind of get to get a better idea, to learn more about yourself, to, about the things that you like. Because I find that after a while, you, your, so your tastes, they, have, they develop very quickly and they change quickly. But once you get to a certain level, they pretty much don't really change anymore. Right? And I've noticed that for a lot of classics, like watches that are classics or legendary or whatever uh, I still like them the same way I did maybe a couple of years ago just because it's just once it developed to a certain extent it doesn't change anymore so to get there I think it's a good way to try out like you said maybe buying an expensive version of the watch that you like to see if you would like wearing it right eventually you still kind of learn about the dimensions of the watches so you don't so you're kind of more let's say aware of how it would fit but still let's say when yeah. it comes to like a, a integrated bracelet it's definitely a good idea to try wearing a watch like this to see if it will even fit you if you would like uh, wearing it and and kind of to uh, expand it more on that topic i was going to say is and i and i use that approach for myself is i don't let's say when i buy a watch like i i look at it for like 6 months right because there's a way to do it. Like if you really get obsessed with a watch, 
especially because it's a big purchase most of the time, right? An expensive product. I would sleep on it for a few months. And then if in a few months you still like it that same way, let's say maybe go buy it, right? Because yeah, usually, yeah. usually, and it happens, you know, you kind of see the watch and you have an initial impression that it's great, I, I really want it. Uh, it might change, right? Because as you kind of see right. more maybe more reviews, more videos and more pictures from different angles and if you see it in person, maybe maybe you, for some reason, like one color starts standing out and you don't like the way it works with the, the, the case, let's say. Uh, I kind of did it for myself and it seems to be working. Uh, so kind of, you know, take your time. It's a, it's a big, uh, it's a dis- decent size investment depending obviously on the watch you buy, but most of the time watches are expensive. So it's nice to come uh, uh, to the decision with a rational head. Very good. Very good point. And I'll, I might keep going on that because I had a point that was similar. Mine is also most of the watch journeys that you'll see, it's easy to just go textbook. It's easy to go with the textbook flow. You'll you'll hear online, oh, this is your best watch to get to start your collection. This is the best watch to get under this price. This is the best watch to get there. And it's easy to be like, I like that icon, that icon, and that icon. I think what's important is to figure out what you don't like versus what you do. Figure out what is like, oh, I don't really seem to be attracted to that style. I don't seem to be attracted to that. Figure that out as well. Like Dimitri says, sometimes the only way to know that is to then own a cheaper version of something. And you know, if you get into these more affordable brands, you can get a version of everything and enjoy it and see if you like it. And with that, I'll also say, go try everything on that you can. If you get a chance to go to wind up and try all these micro brands, go try everything on. Don't be ashamed to go into any store that has watches and say, I want to try that on, try that on, try that on, because you feel you're obliged to buy it. You don't have to, you know, and the textbooks would tell you all, I need to go get a Speedmaster, my first chronograph, or Submariner is my first diver, or, uh, you know, this is what we're all kind of told what, what it is, you know, go get the Steve, the Steve McQueen, go get the, whatever it is, the, uh, the 5711 pilot. Yeah. What? The, the 5711. Yeah, go get it. The 5711, exactly. <laughs> you know, but there's more out there. Go try things on. Go, uh, because you'll see things may, sur- things will surprise you. I think that's what's important. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, my lesson that was there. How about you, Carl? What's next? Um, well, you, you touched a little bit about that. Is, um, for, it's like I, I wrote, wrote down, watch, always, watch looks al- almost always better in person. So it's pretty much go and see the watches, right? Uh, often it's hard to make yourself a good idea of what, how it feels, how it looks in real life, just by pictures and or videos. Right, there's always a bias because of the lens, because of the person wearing for it, sure. or because of the photo, the photo itself, right? Um, and I think for, for me it's a problem because most of the time, if I'm curious and I go try it on, I go, I need to buy it now. Uh, but beside that, a really good example for me was Doxa. I was seeing a bunch of pictures, a bunch of videos, and I wasn't too too sure about it. And then I tried the Doxa that Kevin had, and I was like, oh god damn it! Yeah. <laughs> right, Th- those watches are really really nice. Like those pictures, I was like, ah. Hey, like the styling but you know i need to confirm so always go and try it on go see it in person as best as you can for sure not all watches are available for that but i think that's a, a huge 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 uh factor for any watches like we're pretty good with the specs we can pretty know always going to fit on us but still there's all the finish the weight all those things that's kind of hard to get from behind your laptop yeah. pretty much 
Are you, so you walk in, are you buying or are you just curious? He goes, I'm a little bi curious. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sir, please. See, that's, that, that's like, that's something that Andrew Dice Clay would say. <laughs> not Neil deGrasse Tyson because he's not the comedian. Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a, like uh, a particular doxa you're looking at, uh, Carlito? Uh, the, well, the the three hundred uh three hundred T whatever which one is the the best uh, yeah the, yeah, those yeah. No, they're both nice. they're both very they're both very similar one has yeah. a, a domed sapphire versus the f- dead flat one one is three hundred meters the other one is twelve hundred meters the one is like this the one's a little bit more two leads more you, diet, you had right? the three hundred T right uh, uh, Kevin I had the three hundred T yeah because I yeah, wanted the dead flat um, sapphire and you know I think I would have gone with the three hundred I probably go with the army now but yeah. Army I was about to say good, since yeah. the army, yeah, since the army is out, it's uh, it's uh, it's on my list. <laughs> Fucking nice with that the bronze bezel green art. Get out! It's perfect. It's pretty cool. Doxa army, yeah, it's a pretty pretty pretty. Like, even the 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 rubber strap is really awesome. Kind of makes That's me beautiful. think a bit of like the Omega Seamaster, right? They have those rubber straps because it goes all the way past the lugs to the case. It's it's really cool. Yeah, it's integrated. Yeah, I think they call that Seamaster now the seaweed, is what I heard. Yes, I've heard that too. I saw I saw like yeah. a YouTube video. Somebody mentioned that because it's it, but it's a very mm. similar color color to the Doxa Army, by the way. The green, it's a very dark, like not flashy Maybe. green. Exactly, it's matte. Yeah. All right, Dimitri, what's your next? Uh, um, <clears throat> so, I would say, kind of, when you were shopping for a watch, and this is not something you could know as you're getting into your watch uh, hobby. Uh, you uh, you will eventually realize that uh, uh, there are a lot of micro brands out there, and not all of them, but there's a, s- a decent number of micro brands that are amazing and they offer a lot more watch for the same price that a big brand would wear, right? Because uh, maybe it's part of their marketing. They're trying to get into the market. They're, they're trying to kind of out, out outdo the bigger the big brother some way, right? So. I've seen that recently and I was very pleasantly surprised uh, uh, with the Baltic watches that you've had, right? Both of them, especially yeah. the micro order one, like impressed me so much because that watch looked like multiple thousands of dollars. Uh, just the finish on the, in the, in the rotor, just the, the, the finish on the case itself, it was an absolutely beautiful watch. And I was a bit more skeptical, I think, in the past towards the micro brands because I, you know, I, I for some reason... And it, maybe it was the micro brands that I was looking at. I kind of assumed that uh, I get it that they, they do have different designs, but maybe they use a more of a general generic uh, case shape that uh, a manufacturer would offer, and then they put a general generic movement in there, like a standard ETA two eight two four, or maybe a, a Celita, right? But then you start seeing all kinds of other releases from those brands where they do like a custom custom shaped case, like the Furlan Mari, for example, right? The watch brand I won. Uh, uh, the the Grand Prix Rology, right? They they I haven't seen it in person yet, but I've even just in pictures you can see that that so much work went into building the watch, and for the prices that are nowhere near the prices, let's say a big brand would uh, charge for something similar. I get Good it. It's point. difficult for somebody who is getting into the hobby to to know about this because you don't know anything probably at this point about micro brands, uh, but. Don't dis don't dismiss them. Let's say don't only look for famous names. And I know that some people are kind of and when they're getting into watches, they want the name, right? You know, like they they will go for a Catiso, 
or they will go for a Seiko just because it's a Longines. big name. Nobody know everybody. Yeah, Longines. Everybody knows it. Uh, but micro brands, if you are, if you do some research or maybe watch some popular YouTube channels, you can find a lot of really, really, really awesome offers. Yep. And that was my next point. I actually had micro brands killing the middle market, but you need to know what you're looking for. Yeah. So at the beginning of uh, things that I wished I knew was not to dismiss them, look at them and say, what can they offer bang for buck? The problem with micro brands in general is that they don't have retail stores. Very difficult to get your hands on them. But I swear, go to a fair that has micro brands um, and try them on, and you will see why they're so incredibly, uh, you know, bang for a buck. And that's why I'm going to say I use the term middle market because I think there are a lot of micro brands when it comes into that. Then you get into boutique independent brands. You get into some like really expensive Haybrings and Sartre-Ribiard, and you can get into some, you know, uh, Rachat Prochepi and uh, Crivian and some Paul Coyon and FP Journe. You get multiple hundreds of thousands, but um, those are like really high-end independent brands. But there's a lot out there in terms of those micro brands, independent brands that, uh, you know, really deserve our attention. And um, so, yeah, that's something I wish I had known uh, then. Um, but I'll go with another one here that I had as a, as a lesson here. Um, in-house doesn't always mean better. It carries a lot of meaning. It shows what the, organ- the company has put into their movements. But it doesn't always mean better. And it car- it's very arguable that, that it be better. And you'll hear a lot of people say, well, it's an in-house movement. It must, it must be better. It carry, it's you know, it's you know, not lazy. I don't know if that makes anything better necessarily. Uh, when you look at what uh, Paul, uh, not Paul, or Dan Reuter does with Reuter chronographs, this guy takes a value and then takes it apart and then fucking finishes everything in that movement. Everything. With with striping and perlage and blue and like blued screws, everything, everything, everything gets finished, and he makes you a really incredible um, hand finished movement. And then you can Nomos is known for doing things in house, so they get a lot of like love because of that. It's very arguable. And Tudor Pelagos is a good example. They went and put in a manufacture calibre. People were hesitant. The Etas versions went up because people were like, "I just I'm getting a tool watch. I want something that's a workhorse." Um, and watch snobs will be quick to say, you know, workhorse is not good. You want in-house. Um, so that's something I wish I had uh, learned at the beginning that, you know, it doesn't always mean better. Yeah, but I, I, I think that um, a good standard movement, like a good ETA, is better than not a proven in-house. But a proven in-house will be always better than any general uh, movement. Yeah, but it comes right. with more soul. They've invested in something that is, yeah, that is that right. exactly. So, yeah. so, so, like, there's two, like, it's a Venn diagram, right? So they do overlap at some point. <laughs> but I think if you just look at the extremes, uh, yes, like a, a good, uh, but the overlap will always be, they don't overlap that much, is what I'm saying. No, and no, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, there's going to be, I think that's more the edge cases that where they do overlap. And to me, I never said that, you know, it's it's um, in-house is worse. I didn't even say that either. I just said it's arguable that it's better. Mm-hmm. So when someone tells you that, the start of your collection, because yeah, but that's just a standard ETA. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. It's it's like a, a, a derivative of that is people assuming that the watch has to be from Switzerland, right? To be able to be good, right? But it's 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 a similar 100%. thing. It doesn't have to. It's not just the Swiss that can make good watches. 
And there's a lot of yeah. amazing brands from different countries that make fantastic watches. So and it helps you judge the value proposition. You can be like, okay, it has an ETA 2024 Elaboré, or it has the top grade. So you know that that goes at about, okay, that one's $400, the top grade one, you know, so it's chronometer certified. You're like, okay, how much are they selling the watch? A grand. Okay, so the guy had to finish a dial, had to finish this, had to finish. Oh, the guy's selling for five grand. You go, that's a $300 movement. Okay, what's the re- what's the deal with this watch? Oh, it's an yeah. enam- it better be enamel. It better have some gold on it, you know? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So is it my turn now? Is it who just? I think went? it's Carl's turn. Oh, Carl's turn. Uh, well, yeah, I have like two short ones. I'll put them together. Um, but would it make sense if you put them together? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like completely well, different yeah. topics. <laughs> 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 like Andrew Dice Clay and uh, what's yeah. the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the first thing is uh, diversify your collection and uh, don't old. Don't hold on watches for no reason. Um, so the first thing is diversify your collection is pretty much try different things, right? Don't stick to the same style forever. I think everyone is going, it's an evolution, right? From the first watch you purchase to the last one you have, it's always different. But aim for that. Go for it. Try different things. I think the whole watch hobby should be about trying different things, learning about different brands, learning about different movement and experiencing them to some extent as well, right? Uh, and don't hold, don't hold on watches for no reason uh, could be the same thing like I just sold my Air King love the Air King but I was like okay I just love it but it's it's not a, like a wedding watch or like a, a huge promotion watch or anything it didn't add any backstory to it right it was just a piece of metal it was giving me time so at some point I was like I can sell it right that, that, there's a value for it on the market let's put that value elsewhere new watch different story different thing going forward and i think i think that's really important right some people might buy a watch and for a reason and that's okay and keep it forever but if there's nothing around it supporting that purchase just sell it at some point go try something different right we literally have only one life to live i think that's a good thing to drive different drive different cars wear different watches do different trip right you don't need to go to the same beach every year for your vacation <laughs> try a different one <laughs> once in a while um so lesson learned as i going f- at first i was like oh i'm just going to purchase my this watch and it's going to be my only watch and it's going to be the perfect watch and i'm only going to have ever need of this watch uh, i don't think that's a solution maybe some for some people but just try things out uh, and i think kevin is the best example for that <laughs> it's like i'm gonna try everything <laughs> i'm gonna try to change my identity. I'm a trisec- <laughs> yeah i'm a trisexual i try anything <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that's uh that was uh, the last two uh together that i think goes in uh in pairs um yeah no it makes sense uh, i agree with you uh do you guys f- see that let's say at this stage in your oh let's say the evolution of your hobby you you change your preferences the tastes still change or you kind of like some watches that you sure. like they just do you ever find watches that you've liked for a long time that you don't like anymore Sure, or sure, sure. There are tons. Like, are there any I think the foundation examples? is the same, but everything on top of like a couple of uh, specific watches, everything else is moving. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, like, uh, I was, uh, I'm going to do some mileage on what you said there, Carl. I think be realistic with your own expectations. Like to say, okay, if I get that watch, I'll be done. No, don't say that. <laughs> you could say I'll be done for a while. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> when you're trying to diet. It, they like one of these the mindsets is to say I'm never going to eat ice cream right or something mm. 
the the they say a good trick is to say instead of saying no, I'll never eat ice cream. It's kind of just saying it. Okay, tomorrow, okay. tomorrow, yeah. I'll eat it later, later. The, and and it makes it easier because you you'll be good at later, and then eventually you'll you'll have it every once in a while. But so the, for the pro- as I say, you're, you're huh? procrastinating. You're procrastinating yourself into health. <laughs> into health, but it does. If you, but apparently, it works psychologically because it's so, it's so, it's so um, final and so drastic to say never. Do you know what I mean? It puts a yeah, lot yeah, of pressure. Sure. Be realistic with your expectations. Say, okay, I'm going to get this watch. Okay, I'm going to be good for a while. And then you yeah. buy a cheap one here, and I'll flip that one and buy that. It's okay. It's fine. That's part of the hobby. And so I think be realistic with your own expectations, like you just said, Carl, because you were saying, if I get this one watch, don't do that. You know, it's like, I really want that watch. I'm going to save for it. Like you said, have your watch fund. And I'm going to be good for a while once I get it, probably because I have no more money. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you were ready to buy that Baltic because you had money there as well. But you, mm-hmm. you were like, hmm, I'm ready to jump on that. I like that. I want to take the risks. So it's, in good, it's good to have that kind of risk of ownership. But anyway, it's Dimitri's turn. Go ahead, Dimitri. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I was just going to say, I kind of, I caught myself doing that in the past and uh, like that kind of situation where you go, I'll never do this again, right? Or I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to eat this, whatever. I, I just end up not ever saying this again because I end up being a hypocrite all the time. So, <laughs> so that's... And you a, feel bad for having done it. watches as well, yeah. Because you're basically yeah. lying to yourself by saying that you're not going to do this, but then you're like, well, why did I have to? There's no reason. But if you say to. later, 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 and eventually yeah. when you do it, you're like, okay, it came late enough. Good. I'm happy. Yeah, I, I delayed it long enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So another lesson for me, I think that I, for me personally, and that's how I was looking at watches when I was kind of at the beginning of my hobby, uh, I was looking at watches and I would assume that you'd have to wear the watch the way it came. So let's say if the watch comes on a, a bracelet, then that's how you can wear it, right? I never thought of the idea that you can just take off the watch case and put it on different types of NATO straps, leather straps, anything. And then a lot of watches, especially some of the, let's say, legendary or like the famous ones, right, are strap monsters. And they will look amazing on different types of uh, straps, not, let's say, bracelets, could be NATO, could be whatever, right? We did a special episode that was about different straps, and some of them work on any kind of strap. So for me, that was a very, very big kind of um, revelation because, you know, like I remember when I first was looking at, let's say, Rolex Datejust watches, and I was like, that's like, to me, it looked like an old person's watch, right? Uh, But... And then I saw some pictures of it like on leather straps. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like it makes the watch completely different. Now I also love the ones on the bracelet. So it doesn't look to me like an old person's watch anymore. I mean, because I'm old now. Yeah. So <laughs> so to <laughs> yes, me, it just looks are, like... There's no arguing that. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it just looks like a person's watch. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I also see that they, they look amazing on on the, on leather straps. And, you know, if you if you kind of... Once I realized that, I'm, I, I, I like the watch even more than I used to before. So just take a note and don't uh, assume that if you see the watch on a bracelet, that's always going to be on a bracelet. You can always mix and match. And uh, sometimes even the, the manufacturer, the company, the brand themselves, they would offer, let's say, alternative different straps for the watch. So, Yeah, but okay. so, so let's learn here also. Always buy on the bracelet and change it afterwards. <laughs> Even if you don't like the bracelet, it's just easy for resale, and also you can try it out. 
I'm glad that you said that because my next point is exactly about that. Stop buying watches. I, I wish I'd known this. Don't buy watches based on how you can sell them, how you can flip them. <laughs> so yeah. I've, I've, I've done that. I'm like, okay, it's great. I'll, I kind of like it. I'm going to be able to flip it anyway and enjoy it. But don't always buy a watch or don't deviate from the one you like. You go, well, if I buy that version, I'll get better resale value when I sell it. If you like the other version more, get the one that you like. It's okay. Even if you lose a few bucks, if the, if it's the one that you like, it's okay to take that risk. It's not a problem. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like finding a balance, right? Don't focus too much on potentially making the better, the best resale value. But at the same time, like I have a hard time, buy, let's say, buying watches that are initially expensive but lose a lot of value right away. So I think it would be more detailed like saying, oh, there are three Omegas. And I'm like, oh, the black one is the one that will resell the okay. best. But like, but I really like the green one. Yeah, like, right. But I like the green one. Get the green one. You're, yeah, like, that makes it's sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that I agree for sure. You but have anyway. to buy watches that you like. You can't. But you're, you're right. Gonna, you don't want to buy something. Yeah. Uh, so is it okay, Carl? You, you're done. It's, uh, it goes back to me. I have maybe a couple more. So one, um, the other thing that kind of for me was also a thing when i first started looking into watches i was like not even considering anything quartz i only wanted to have mechanical movements right that was the only thing i ever looked at and again as as my knowledge of watches grew i kind of i discovered a lot of interesting watches with quartz movements that are by themselves so awesome and are definitely yeah. worth any like a spot in any in any watch collector's watch box like like the best example is let's say the Seiko uh, Grand Seikos right the, with their quartz movements or even Longines the VFP right you get watches that have a quartz movement that is so precise what is it what ten seconds per year or something like that ten seconds a year it's 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 absolutely ridiculous and you know it's it's not just like a maybe because there was an idea that quartz movements in general are cheaper than uh, than mechanical uh, movements and with the price there's an association of the, because they're simpler right it's just just a quartz movement yeah, like is just a very basic type of a movement right uh, in reality it's really not the case some of them are very expensive and some of them are so well meticulously crafted some of them even have especially for grand seiko like exhibition case bags where you see uh, the decoration they put in the movement i really want to try like for example i bulova carries such a long history and whatnot and i really like the precision precisionist line oh yeah you know and i really i want to i want to try like the bulova curve chronograph I, I really like that watch i want to go try it on again i i don't know why it went away from me but that watch is a curved quartz movement accurate to 10 seconds a year chronograph and it's the only curved uh watch uh like at that level of curve uh, in the world with an exposed case back of a beautiful quartz movement i was like this is awesome but people will turn their nose up to that you know and say no 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 yeah. i don't want it <laughs> um all right i have one more Go do we have it. time for another one you have time. Okay. Go for it. So one more quick one. Uh, it kind of is, it's it's going along this the, the point that Carl made about, you know, wearing the, trying the integrated bracelet. But in general, I think as you're kind of, as you're collecting watches, it's very important to 
start to know if, especially if you're not able to try watches on in person, because some micro brands, like you were saying, you just there's no stores. You can't go in yours. You kind of have to go off the pictures or dimensions. Try to learn some of the basic dimensions of the watch and understand which ones work for you and which which don't. And that's not necessarily going to uh, allow you to understand if it's going to fit perfectly, but at least you will you'll be able to throw out or dis- filter out some watches that will completely be ter- like will not fit at all, right? So what I mean is let's say try to learn the ca- the case size at least that works for you or not or lag right. to lug width as well. The thickness could be also a factor. So those three things, I think, especially when I, when I look at watches, I always check those three things, and I can at least know seeing a watch that, okay, this watch is definitely not going to work for me versus, okay, this could work. I should probably try it on, or maybe I could buy it, and then chances are it will work. Like I, uh, when I bought the SPB uh, 143, I never really... I saw it in person, I think, once, but I never really tried it on properly, right? I just kind of looked at the dimensions, like, yeah, that's going to work perfectly. And it did. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I had one last one. I don't know why it skipped it here on my list, but I think it's an important one I want to share. For everyone out there, when you're getting into this hobby, it's important to separate the thrill that you get in hunting the watch versus the ownership of it. It's very easy to get into this hobby and then fall in love with shopping and then kind of like a kid at Christmas, you get the watch, you go, okay, and then you may not enjoy it as much as you do enjoy the hunt. Make sure that you understand in your mindset what you enjoy. Is it the hunt? Is it actually, oh, and you know, I love the hunt and I separate that from the ownership and then when I get a watch, the way way I own the watch is very different than the the feeling I get when I'm when I'm searching for it. When I'm like, oh, this is interesting, I start reading up on it, reading up on the story behind the watch, the movement, the this, the the brand. <clears throat> it brings me a lot of pleasure to do that. So enjoy that along the way, and it doesn't always have to result in ownership. It can be like, hmm, interesting. Made my short list, and then I move on. Next thing, and then it you you increase your body of knowledge. You increase more knowledge about those different watches, and then you try it on eventually. And then it could keep stay on the list. It might not make it to the list, but the hunt is fun and to enjoy researching and learning about it. But separate that from saying, because a lot of people I find is and Dimitri, you I think you were Uh-oh. guilty of this at the start. I'm guilty of a lot of things, but don't uh, don't tell the police though. Yeah, <laughs> but it's happened when you're like. Um, you you wouldn't try on necessarily a watch unless it might be already on your short list. You know, it's like, um, well, I'm never going to buy that anyway. And we hear that we hear that a lot from people in, that start getting into the hobby. They'll be like, well, I'm never going to buy that. You're like, yeah, but maybe try it on. You'll see. There's it's really cool. And then and then you try it on. And you go, oh, okay, interesting. It's it's important to go through that. Don't always have to be so like it has to end with ownership. It doesn't always have to end with ownership. It, it makes sense for me to say something like that about like a Richard Mill, right? <laughs> fuck that I'll try it on yeah but I'm not gonna buy it anyway <laughs> you could be very fancy with a monocle and a fake mustache yeah. <laughs> and live, living under <laughs> a bridge wow. exactly so yeah that was my last lesson learned yeah it, did anyone one. else did you guys have anything else we good we so are good I think we're good yeah so that was a really great episode I hope that yep. we anyone out there if you have any lessons learned let us know but that was a lot of fun So uh, thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, we hope you have a great week. See you next week. Cheers, everybody.
So if you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on Big Black Clock Official on Instagram or email us at bigblackclockteam at gmail.com. Send us your pictures, corrections, ideas, insults, and let us know if there are any pieces you want us to review. With, of course, the caveat that we can afford them. As always, be good to each other, eat good food, have some drinks. For those of you always watch shopping, happy hunting. Thanks for spending time with us, and we will see you next week.